You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Yes, Ecuador tells the world, we cut Assange's internet connection and we did it on our own. Russia Today says, tell it to the Marines. WikiLeaks shows no signs of stopping election doxing. The U.S. may be considering a campaign of counter-embarrassment as its response to Russian information operations. Fallout from the Yahoo breach continues. London banks hit with ransomware. More IoT botnets form from Mirai code. And we take a quick look at the blockchain. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, October 19, 2016. Ecuador's government has issued a communique on Julian Assange's internet outage. They say they did it, and on their own, not in response to any external pressure, because Assange was using their London embassy and its internet connectivity to interfere with another country's election. That other country, of course, is the United States. That explanation seems about right. No responsible foreign ministry wants its embassies used for virtual filibustering. But Russia today isn't buying it, and trots out an interview with a disaffected U.S. Foreign Service type to argue on the basis of a priori possibility that the U.S. hacked the connection. Ecuador notes that it continues to extend Assange asylum and that they've not interfered at all with WikiLeaks. The U.S. response to what it unequivocally calls Russian cyber operations against the U.S. remains unclear. Assange's internet disruption probably wasn't it, certainly not all of it, especially since the U.S. promised to send a message that couldn't be missed. Speculation centers on the possibility of a Panama Papers-like release of documents embarrassing to Russian President Putin. And a story that broke this morning is still developing. Czech authorities announced they've arrested a Russian man in connection with cyber attacks against U.S. targets. The Czechs collared the unnamed Russian national on October 5th, but for what they're calling tactical reasons, held the announcement. He's expected to face extradition to the U.S., which is said to have helped the Czechs identify him. Twitter commentary tends to think that, whatever the man is alleged to have done, it may not have included hacking the Democratic National Committee. Fallout from the very large Yahoo breach continues, and the state of Verizon's acquisition of Yahoo's core assets remains very much up in the air as Verizon deems the breach material to the acquisition. Our guest Kevin Bocek from Venify spoke with us about some of the encryption issues surrounding the Yahoo breach. What we found is that state of chaos, which indicates that Yahoo just was not prepared uh, to deal with the amount of encrypted traffic, which likely 
let the bad guys get the data out uh, and still are in a state of unpreparedness, uh, and especially compared to others like Google. All right. Well, I mean, uh, chaos is certainly a strong word. Can you can you dig in and, and uh, tell us what made you uh, come to that conclusion? Yeah, well, uh, we took a look at what organizations are supposed to be doing right now. Things like having MD5 uh, digital certificates um, that can essentially be uh, conjured up out of thin air um, using uh, Amazon Web Services for not much money. Well, Yahoo is still using uh, on live systems uh, those types of digital certificates. Again, that can basically be conjured up and an attacker could now look like Yahoo. That's really, really poor security. And of course, um, the state of the art uh, is well beyond that. Not only were they using MD5 uh, certificates, but they also were still using SHA-1 certificates. Uh, those are uh, certificates you probably know that in January of 2017, browsers are going to say sites using them are insecure. So if we use Yahoo as, an, our, as our example of, of what not to do, uh, what are the lessons learned here? What are things that organizations should be doing to make sure that, uh, that in terms of their encryption security, they're where they need to be? First of all, they need to know what they're using. Um, they need to know um, what type of, of digital certificates um, they're using throughout uh, their network out to the cloud. Next, of course, once you understand what you're using, you're going to understand and be able to triage what you need to replace. Things like SHA-1 uh, need to be transitioned immediately because very shortly uh, your customers, your partners, even your employees are going to receive errors on websites saying that they are insecure. Uh, and then uh, ultimately what you want to get to a state is automating. So automating the replacement, um, much like uh, Google has, because now all your security systems, so your firewall, uh, your IPS, IDS, uh, and other security systems that need to look inside of encrypted traffic can do so. And that's something uh, that's really, really important these days. As we add more and more encryption, we have to be able to know what is are good encryption, and then where are the bad guys trying to hide? Because they're using encryption of their own and turning it against us. And if we're blind, much like it appears Yahoo was, uh, we can see what the consequences can be. That's Kevin Bocek from Venify. Financial institutions in London are sustaining a significant ransomware campaign. Worldwide, the prevailing strain of ransomware circulating by email remains locky. Flashpoint and other security companies following the fate and effect of the widely distributed Mirai IoT botnet source code continue to watch it proliferate. Criminals are using it to herd bots around the world. Expect more targeted distributed denial of service to emerge from the Internet of Things. We spent Monday evening at the Blockchain Tech Talks hosted by Novetta at the Jailbreak Brewing Company in Laurel, Maryland. Experts from Novetta and Chainalysis spoke about blockchain technology, what it is, where it came from, how it works, and what effect it's having on commerce, banking, and eventually daily life. Novetta's Peter Mueller, a self-admitted Bitcoin enthusiast, discussed the technical principle behind blockchain, strengths and weaknesses, and its most famous and successful application thus far, Bitcoin. He described what people are doing right now with blockchain, when it's useful, when it's not, and when it's just snake oil. 
It's fair to say that Mueller definitely doesn't think it's snake oil. He explained how Bitcoin's blockchain was an unalterable, append-only, distributed ledger, and that this technology lent Bitcoin transactions both security and transparency. He sees a significant future for blockchain technology everywhere, from financial services to medicine. His colleague at Chainalysis, company CEO Michael Groniger, defined blockchain as, quote, a permissionless distributed database hardened against tampering and revision, end quote. Its key concept is digital scarcity, items that can't be copied, only moved. The technology has received all the hype it has, in Groniger's view, precisely because it's disruptive. It provides what Groniger called convertibility and certifiability, and it lowers the cost of both. It also offers a disruptive approach to financial regulation. Groniger invited the audience to compare Uber's disruption of local transportation, the heavily regulated taxi industry. Uber solved what's essentially a regulatory challenge through the convergence of three technologies, GPS, social media, and big data. Uber's rating system created self-regulation. Groniger added, quote, Blockchain provides an analogous auditability, which is what you need to regulate financial transactions. You find a virtuous transparency in the blockchain, end quote. Visit thecyberwire.com for accounts of the talks, as well as some background on blockchain's growing mainstream acceptance. It's proving attractive not only to financial services, but in other areas as well. Among the companies outside financial services that have placed big bets on blockchain are IBM, which of course needs no introduction, and Maersk, the shipping company and leader in logistics. One more sign of such growing acceptance appeared yesterday as a new venture fund. Iterative Instinct, which also goes by I2, announced that it had secured $1.4 million in capital commitment to its $2 million debut fund. I2's investment mandate is to seed startups working in core blockchain technologies, specifically cryptographic hashing, asymmetric cryptography, and peer-to-peer distributed computing. And finally, we'll again advise everyone to straighten up and fly right. Adult Friend Finder has been found vulnerable to file inclusion vulnerabilities, and credentials for the naughty and not-safe-for-work browsers site have shown up for sale in a dark web market. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Uh, Emily, there's this notion that uh, the bad guys are using intelligence information um, in new ways, that they're actually weaponizing this information. Tell us what we need to know about that. Sure. I, I think kind of everyone has seen in the news recently kind of the data coming out of the, the DNC hacks, you know, Guccifer 2.0, kind of dropping something new every week. Um, and that's uh, it's a really interesting situation where we're seeing information being dumped, you know, whether in a large amount all at once or kind of teased out over several weeks where uh, an international actor is really trying to influence American policy. You know, the election is creeping ever closer and this information keeps making headlines as something that maybe isn't nefarious or illegal but was intended to be kept private by a campaign uh, is coming out. And obviously everyone is trying to use that to their advantage. In this case, you know, believed to be the Russians are obviously using using this to frame Hillary Clinton in a way that they think would be best for them. And how does this how does this contrast this this uh, this acceleration this this evolution of of tactics? Sure. I mean, when you tend to think of information dumps, you you think of something that is done perhaps for sale, for financial gain. I have, you know, this this powerful client list. I'll sell you the rest of it. Or for vandalism, to, to make someone look bad. You know, for example, coming out of Brazil uh, as we head into the Olympics, seeing information that's around the government, whether kind of government-owned organizations or kind of government police forces. Um, and these, these Brazilians are using this information to kind of highlight what they believe to be terrible actions and terrible overreach by the government, ignoring the problems at home. And are, are, are these uh, generally being used uh, with criminal motives or are some people uh, using them for, for uh, a type of protesting? Sure. Um, in some cases, there there is a level of criminality to it, right? Anytime that you are advertising stolen information for sale or kind of just, just because, that, that is illegal. But protests do tend to gain speed online, especially when you're looking at a group like Anonymous. You know, if Anonymous says, okay, Operation Icarus, let's target the banks, there are people who are going to jump on that bandwagon and go after a bank just because they want to be a part of the broader protest of the international financial system. So is this a trend that you all uh, expect to continue? Absolutely. The election is getting closer by the day. And in addition to these larger breaches, we're seeing a number of smaller breaches that just aren't making the news. For example, even dating back to kind of Super Tuesday, seeing dumps of GOP delegates from a Western state and their personal information or, uh, you know, contact lists for candidates being dumped. And we believe that that kind of vandalism, frankly, whether or not it's internationally based, is going to continue to appear as we kind of move through the election cycle and, frankly, through to the inauguration. All right. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.